after dinner, we had a, took our cocktails. We just went to this um, high-powered telescope across a rope bridge, which is really fun anyway. And um, they've got an astronomer there who points out the different um, star constellations. Um, I'd seen, I saw things I'd never seen before, like the uh, storm clouds uh, on Jupiter, the, the rings on Saturn, um, and then we got a really amazing close-up view of the moon and all the craters on the moon. I bet you didn't expect to hear that as our opener for today's episode because it's episode number 13 and today we're jetting off to the Maldives. You're listening to The Travel Podcast. Travel Podcast. Today's most exciting travel destinations. Brought to you by people with a real passion for travel. Great holiday ideas, real reviews, practical advice and all the best deals in one simple podcast. The Travel Podcast. Now here is your host, Steve Witt. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of The Travel Podcast. My name's Steve, your host for another episode of The Travel Podcast. And in case you didn't know, this is the podcast where we aim to inspire you with ideas and tips to help you travel the world. And hopefully that's going to be happening again very, very soon. Today, my co-hosts are Lauren and Matthew, and of course, we're all passionate about travel, have traveled the world, and we all know a thing or two about travel. Today is no different. We've got an exciting episode for you, and if you love that picture-perfect idea of that tropical island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, white sandy beaches, uh, cocktail in your hand, those water villas that stick out over the sea, the tropical blue ocean, and the idea of a long walk taking no more than five minutes, then this is the episode for you because we delve into all of that. The uh, picture-perfect recipe of a holiday, that trip to the Maldives, uh, the one we'd love to do, and we find out just who that holiday is intended for. And the great news is it's not just for those celebs and those rich people. It is for everybody. So we're going to be finding out more about that. But first, we catch up with Matthew as he's introducing our guest for today, Thomas. And today I'm joined by Lauren from the Travel Podcast. Hi, Lauren. Hello. And I'm also joined by a special guest, Thomas. And Thomas is the sales director of Hummingbird Travel DMC. Uh, and they specialize in working in the Maldives. So we've got an absolute great guest for this week. So um, just going over to you, Thomas, can you just give us a bit more uh, of an overview of your, yourself, what you do in the Maldives, what a DMC is, and also uh, what about COVID-19 in the Maldives? Hi, Matthew. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast today. Um, yes, um, my name is Thomas and I, I work for a company called Hummingbird Travel and we are an Indian Ocean Specialist DMC. Uh, and what a DMC is, is we're like the link between the hotel and a tour operator and a travel agent. So you could describe us as being like a wholesaler or a middleman. Um, and what we do is we take care of everything on the ground. So when you make a booking um, through an agent, through an operator, um, the person who's going to be looking after you when you get to the destination is people like Hummingbird Travel. So we do the meet and greet service. We organize the transfers. Um, and we're the people that give really good competitive rates to the, the, to the different agencies and operators. Um, so we're very specialists. We only deal with Maldives is our main one, but also Seychelles, Sri Lanka and Mauritius. So uh, because we focus on those main destinations, it uh, means we know them really, really well. And we can assist and give that expert advice to, to operators and agents and those really good rates. Um, in terms of the Maldives and the, and the COVID situation at the moment, um, I thought I'd just give you an update on what's happening um, before we move on and look at the destination in more detail. So um, the Maldives has acted quite quickly to deal with the situation. Um, so they stopped travel uh, back in March. Um, so they stopped entry from foreign countries into Maldives. Um, so that has certainly helped in stopping the spread uh, of COVID. And the main area affected is the capital of Mali, which is just opposite the airport island. Um, and that's where a large pr uh, proportion of the Maldives population live is about 130,000 people. Um, and it's a very small space. So that's the main area affected um, 
And at the moment, uh, numbers are very low. Uh, it, there's a total of 800 people infected. Um, and those actually are not um, not many locals in that number. It's mostly foreign workers. Um, particularly, there's quite large labour communities because they, they're building, they're do, uh, doing work on extending the runway at the airport and doing lots of building work. So a lot of, you get a lot of um, uh, what are known as labour quarters where you have Bangladeshi uh, workers uh, coming over and they work in quite small um, area. They live in a small env environment because they're sending money back to their families back home. So they're sometimes living um, several hundred to a building. Um, and those are seen to be where the main clusters of the COVID has spread. And so those areas have been quarantined. Um, so the situation is very much under the control um, and there's only five critical cases, uh, well, five hospitalizations as a result. So um, I think the Maldives is managing it quite well. Uh, and then once we're ready to travel, they'll be ready to accept guests. That's great news. And again, like you said, it's they've been right at the forefront from the get go to, to make sure that they can uh, protect future tourism and travel and um, for those who may not know where the Maldives is and how to get there uh, could you just go into a brief where it is in the world uh, how people yes. can get to the, to the destination yes so the Maldives is in the Indian Ocean and it's southwest of India and Sri Lanka so um, it's I would describe it as an underwater mountain range that extends uh, 900 kilometers from north to south. So it's quite a dispersed uh, large country, even though the islands are small and you can get there via um, the most popular route is via Dubai uh, or, or um, other places in the Mid Middle East uh, through those Middle Eastern airlines like um, Emirates and Etihad. Um, or you can go via Qatar um, through Abu Dhabi. Um, those are very popular routes. Otherwise, um, Maldives is a great destination to combine with Sri Lanka. So you could go via Colombo in Sri Lanka, do a, a itinerary in Sri Lanka, do the cultural um, stuff there. And then it's an hour uh, flight to the Maldives. So those are popular routes. You can also fly directly from uh, Italy or from Istanbul uh, in Turkey. So you could even combine it with uh, a European um, stay if you wanted to. I didn't realise you could go straight from Italy and Turkey. That's very interesting. Yeah, from Rome, they fly direct and, and from Istanbul. That's a, that's a, and that is a twin centre uh, treat that would be Italy <laughs> and then the Maldives and um, going, going on that so obviously you know, it's, it's uh, the vast amount of islands uh, across the, the Maldives how once they arrive um, and land into the main airport how would they get to those different different areas yes yeah, so once um, you arrive onto the airport island um, you go through your your um, immigration and then you'll be met by a hummingbird rep so someone will be holding up a sign with the client's details and the hotel that they're going to be staying at and once they come through those arrival stores it's a very small airport so it's uh, it's it's quite easy it's quite straightforward um we'll they'll find they'll see us and we also have a counter which is counter number 50 so if for whatever reason they get completely lost uh, they can just head to our counter uh, which is just in front of the arrivals lounge find us and we'll take them through to their transfer and in the Maldives there are three different types of transfer uh, the first one is speedboat so if you're staying at an island that's relatively close to the airport you can take a speedboat transfer um, and there are speedboat jetties all in front of the arrivals terminal uh, the second form of transfer is, is a seaplane and the seaplane terminal is just the other side of the airport island so you go to the seaplane terminal and fly from the lagoon there and the third form of transfer is a, is a domestic flight which is a larger aircraft it flies at a higher altitude than the seaplane and that will fly to some local island airports and then you would take a speedboat so all three transfer options will be assisting the clients too so it'll be for them it's very easy they're assisted with, with their luggage and just taken free very smooth and it sounds like a very interesting airport one that i would assume would be stunning and obviously, I think there's around yes. 165 resort islands, and which must be so fast across the Indian Ocean. But what is the nature like? And I know a lot of people may go there for the likes of snorkeling and divers. Um, yes. But is it all just about snorkeling and diving? Um, no, no, not, not at all. I mean, it, it definitely is one of the, the, the best things about the Maldives is um, 
because it sits on an underwater mountain range um if you can imagine basically the, the the islands are the tops the peaks of the mountains that have built up with coral over thousands of years uh that coral has then become eroded um and then it's formed sandbanks and those sandbanks are where they build the islands on um it's the islands themselves are very secluded uh, and they are generally surrounded by a coral reef um so if you're snorkeling or diving it's great because you've got a coral reef right there on your doorstep so it's you don't have to go very far to do your snorkeling and your diving and, and usually those reefs are abundant with marine life um so yes it's true that the the I think the, the biggest selling point for Maldives is what is under the water, but the islands themselves are really stunning. Um, so yes, you mentioned there's 165 uh, resort islands, um, but in the total in the Maldives, there's 1,190 coral islands. So um, 165 resort islands is quite a small number. And then there's another 160 inhabited islands. So that leaves a large number of islands that are uninhabited and kind of ripe for exploring. So you've got loads of sandbanks you can go to, deserted islands, picnics. Um, there's so much to discover in the Maldives and, and also to visit the local islands, learn about Maldivian culture. But um, you can do a lot more than just stay on your islands and go snorkeling and diving. You can you can discover. And, and some islands, um, like, uh, well, there's the Shangri-La Villingili in the south that actually has a golf course. So if you're a keen golfer, then that's um, that's quite interesting. And then um, other islands actually have really good surfing from May to October. Um, so you can surf breaks if you like doing water sports. Um, there's There's a lot to offer. I've got a question, Thomas, just for those who are listening who aren't quite sure. What exactly is a house reef that you mentioned about? Yes, um, so a house reef is um, a coral reef that you can access easily from the beach of the resort that you're staying at. So some reefs um, will be too far for you to swim to, so you'd be reliant on the resort supplying a speedboat. So we, would we wouldn't describe that as a being a house reef. We would say that that's a lagoon. Uh, with a reef that's reachable by by speedboat, but a house reef is just basically the idea that you can go to the water sports department, get your snorkeling equipment, and then wade out from the beach and do your snorkeling around the island without any, a minimum of fuss. So that would be a house reef, and about fifty percent of the resorts have that reef right on their doorstep, and the other fifty percent it's a speedboat. So they have a much deeper lagoon, which is great for swimming in or for playing on jet skis, um, but it takes longer to get to the actual reef itself. Okay, cool. So irregardless of which resort you're staying in, you're going to have access to a house reef, kind of whether it's walking distance out to it or whether you have to take a speedboat, which is quite cool. Yes, yeah, I mean, there, there will always be reefs relatively nearby. Um, and and we really, when we're recommending resorts to clients, we kind of, it's good to gauge what they want to do. So uh, if they're really keen on maybe doing surfing or jet skiing or, or kayaking or, or swimming, and they're not that bothered about coral reefs, then we'll, we'll suggest an island that has a big lagoon. Um, if they're like huge uh, diving or snorkeling enthusiasts and they just want that reef and that marine life, then we'll recommend a resort with a reef, uh, a house reef right on, on the beach, uh, on the doorstep of the resort. Okay, cool. And there's something that I actually want to know about um, is a trip to, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, Hanafaru Bay? Yes, the Hanafaru Bay. So um, the, the Maldives is made up of a collection of atolls and the 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 atolls are a collection of islands um so they're kind of like grouped together so they're basically the different regions of, of the maldives are, are these atolls um and so when you come into maldives you fly into mali airport and that's in the mali atoll so you have the north and south mali atoll and that area is very accessible by speedboat and that you'll find that's a lot of resorts in that area um, but the further you get away from the north and south mali atoll the more isolated um, you find the resorts are uh, and even more sort of nature and and it's even better for for marine life um, so there's one atoll uh, which is in the northwest of the Mali Atoll, which is called the Bar Atoll. Um, and there's some, quite a few properties there as well. And the Bar Atoll is quite famous because in that atoll, in that collection of islands, is an area called the Hanafaru Bay, um, which is basically it's a nursery ground, ground um, for sharks and stingrays. 
Um, and it's an area where whale sharks congregate, um, but it's best known for its high concentration of manta rays and literally hundreds of manta rays congregate to feed um, on the plankton because it's very plankton rich in the waters. Um, so it's basically a bay and because of its small space, um, it, at the certain times of year it becomes like a feeding frenzy so you'll have lots of mantas that are a bit like dodge cars about bumping into each other feeding on the plankton and um, so it's a really amazing sight uh, to see and a great place um, to go snorkeling so it's marine protected it's the only marine protected biosphere in the Maldives so if you're staying in the bar atoll you can do a day trip to the Hanafaru Bay um, you get a permit for two hours and you can go snorkeling and you'd be surrounded by manta rays so um it, and if you're lucky you might also see some whale sharks and you'll certainly see some um reef tip sharks as well um but it's yeah it's a really amazing experience and one we would highly recommend um particularly if you're staying in that in that area and you mentioned obviously a lot of wildlife there and it's one thing that i definitely want to do is uh, see whale sharks and swim with, uh, snorkel with whale sharks at some point in in the wild obviously in a safe safe and eco-friendly way and i believe that the south ariato is a great place to go and do uh, or at least to see the whale sharks is that correct yes that's right so um i mentioned the bar atoll which is northwest uh reachable by a seaplane uh now we're going to go to the south ariato uh, which is southwest, um, so for, again reachable by a seaplane. And the South Ariato uh, is the best place in the Maldives to see whale sharks year round. So if you're going to the Bar Atoll, the, the best time for the mantas and the whale sharks tends to be from May to October. Uh, but if you're in the South Ariato, you've got a good chance of seeing whale sharks year round. So there's quite a few properties based there, and they vary from sort of affordable four-star all-inclusives going all the way up to uh, uber-luxury five-stars. Um, so there's a good range of different resorts there. Um, and the South Ariatol is is very famous, obviously for its whale sharks, but for its marine life in general, it's very good quality. And you'll, you'll find the, the house reefs on the resorts there are really, really nice as well. Oh, that's a bit. And um, something that I was talk, talking a lot about the reefs. How are the reefs developing? I know obviously there's a lot of talks in the media currently with regards to um, lots of projects around the world that are, are trying to help reefs grow back. Um, and also there's some places yeah. in the world where the reefs are sort of dying due to um, climate. Yes. Yes. Well, um, r rising sea temperatures have uh, had a negative effect on reefs around the world and unfortunately the Maldives is no exception so um, in the a couple of years ago there was um, a, a coral bleaching phenomena um, that hit the Maldives and um, about 40 percent of of the reefs were bleached um, and that's particularly true of some of the more northern atolls um, and the bleaching is less severe in the south um, but the good news is um, the, the reefs are recovering uh, from that bleaching um, and there are things called recruit. Uh, at the moment, there's a sign of recovery is a thing called a recruit, which is a blue dot on the coral reef. Um, and so uh, we, we get regular updates from, from the different dive departments at all the resorts on what the quality of their reef is like. And there is still color there. Uh, and there is now uh, these recruits, which are the, uh, these blue dots, which show, show signs that the, the reefs are um recuperating themselves um and growing again uh, but to assist in this um every resort has a sort of marine biologist department and they look after their reefs um, which is easy to do because they're right there on, on just off the beach um so they they do coral replanting programs um, and that's something guests themselves can get involved in if they're sort of confident divers. Uh, they can assist in, and plant coral. Uh, and basically how you plant a coral is you, you uh, form like a, fr a frame for, for the coral to uh, attach onto and to grow. Um, and you plant that frame um, and then you, you, you can create these amazing uh, coral gardens. So yes, coral bleaching, unfortunately, a, a sad reality uh, in the last few years, but uh, things are looking better. And this is particularly true 
um, right now. Um, one of the positive uh, impacts of this lockdown that we're going through is uh, the reports we're getting of the amount of um, sea life uh, in the Maldives at the moment. Um, the sighting of dolphins has increased dramatically um, and you usually see quite a few dolphins as it is but you're, they're seeing dolphins in, just by the, the airport island now um, and in, close to the capital and large, larger pods than usual. Um, the marine life is really benefiting from what's going on at the moment so um, these these are kind of the more positive things that are coming about because of of the lockdown so for those first few guests that start to travel back to the Maldives when the lockdown is is uh, released, uh, they're going to be welcomed by um, some of the healthiest um, marine life and coral that the Maldives has had for for many many years. Um, so that's that's quite a nice. But in total, there's 187 species of, of coral uh, and over a thousand species of fish. So that marine life is really abundant. Is that's an, an amazing accomplishment and great to see that they are coming back uh, from that devastation. And you mentioned that there's obviously a lot of dive schools. Is there a dive and snorkeling uh, school or shop on each of the resorts or is it only certain yeah. islands? Yeah, uh, every resort um, will have a will have a dive resort. So the Maldives uh, as a destination has changed uh, over the years. But when it first started, when it first sort of became a, a tourist destination in the 80s, it was very much um, fairly budget, fairly simple trip back and it was for divers and um, very popular particularly with uh, German and French uh, diving and snorkeling groups that so would go over there not spend very much money stay in very basic sort of beach hut accommodation uh, and dive and snorkel um, and that has evolved obviously it's become a hugely popular with honeymooners and then uh, that was sort of big in the 90s and uh, 2000s to, it has become a sort of fantastic sort of family destination and a multi-generational stay destination um, and it's very popular with groups now so it caters for a wide variety of people um but it, it, yeah it's really did start out as being a sort of predominantly focused on divers and it still has that element to it um so every resort has a dive center um with great dive facilities you know got all your tanks and weights there um so if you're an experienced diver you can do a quick orientation dive and then you can go into the the, the the reef or to do shipwreck dives or night dives depending on how good you are um but if you're a first time ever diving it's a great place to learn um i, I myself had never dived before until i went to the maldives for the first time and i got a dive lesson and suddenly i was in the house reef and uh being led around by the dive instructor um because i didn't know what the, what the hell i was doing but it was great because i saw like uh, t uh, turtles uh some reef dip sharks um amazing coral um and first time the visibility is so good it's so clear there um it was a pretty amazing experience that sounds amazing. I've done diving a few times, but only ever in the UK, so not quite turtles and house reefs and things like that. So that's <laughs> definitely one to add to my list. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Something that I've seen a lot on like social media and Instagram and things are that you can go have picnics on a deserted island. What does that include? Do you get like dropped off on a little island and left for a few hours and picked back up, or is someone there from the hotel? What kind of things does it include? Oh uh, yeah, cool. Well, I'll I'll give you an example. Actually, um, I was very lucky uh, to visit uh, Maldives last year. Um, we because because we have to be the experts. It's one of the the downsides of the job is you have to actually go out to the Maldives and see these amazing resorts and do all these fun things, which is a real drag for us, obviously. Um, but uh, it's a tough job. Somebody has to do it. Um, and yeah, last year I went to um, a property called uh, Jiwali uh, for, for a site inspection and to experience a little bit of what the clients would res experience on resorts. So obviously we got the tour around the resort and got to uh, try out all the facilities, but we got also got to uh, enjoy some of the excursions that they offer. And one of the excursions they do is, is a, which all the islands do, is a trip to a picnic island um uh, which i mentioned earlier you know there's so many uninhabited islands a lot of them are just there to be visited and explored so what they did is um we got a boat boat across to this picnic island it's about uh, 20 25 minutes um away very pretty close 
um, but far enough away if it feels quite secluded. And they, what they've done on the island is they've set up um, some gazebos, so there's a bit of shade, uh, set up some drinks, some canapes, um, got a bit of music playing, there were some beers and an ice bucket, and we basically spent half a day there um, just hanging out, um, had a barbecue, uh, went for a swim, there was a couple of jet skis and sea bobs set up, um, and it was pretty much the best time you can ever have, um, especially with the, you know, the sun's setting later in the afternoon. Um, it was really, really nice. So that's, I think, one of the coolest things you can do in the Maldives is go to a desert island or a sandbank, um, have, have a barbecue, have some drinks, watch the sunset. And the colours that you see as well, because the Maldives is obviously a very low-lying country, the lowest-lying country in the world, um, there's completely unobstructed views of sunsets. So sunsets are amazing. And the colours that you get as it hits that turquoise blue water and it hits that um, soft white coral sand, you get these kind of beautiful blues and pinks and purples. Um, it's almost otherworldly, I would describe it as. Thomas, if the site inspections get too much, I will take one for the team and I will go. <laughs> I'll do okay. okay, noted. <laughs> Lauren will be definitely enjoying the beaches. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. good to scuba dive out there. But so, again, it's something that I love is is the water. And um, unlike having a picnic on the desert island, I have seen that you can dine in an underwater restaurant. Now it's not under the water in your scuba gear, um, from my understanding, but it does look absolutely stunning and an unbelievable experience. So I just wanted to see if you give us a bit more about this. What is dining under in an underwater restaurant like? Yeah, so um, the Maldives is, is kind of leading the way in underwater dining. Um, the first resort to do it was um, a five-star luxury property called the Conrad, um, which is part of the Hilton Group, the Conrad Rangali. And they created this underwater restaurant, um, which was accessible. You go out onto a jetty and you go down a spiral staircase and you come out and then you're in this kind of underwater um, tube almost um, with uh, tables and amazing views of the surrounding reef um, and now it's become quite fashionable so you've got about five or six properties that have these amazing underwater restaurants so you could be having like a five course um, uh, seafood champagne pair of paired menu and you're looking out and you're seeing all these all the, the reef and all the the marine life around you so um they're really really once in a lifetime dining experiences obviously the food is second to none um and the Maldives is really uh, in terms of service and food is a, is a market leader the, the quality of the service and the food out there is, is exceptional um so you get incredible uh, cuisine uh, particularly at those underwater restaurants the only downside of course is they are very expensive so um you know this this is a once in a lifetime experience um it i would say it's worth it but you're gonna have to save up for those uh, for those meals because they can come up uh to be sort of four or five hundred dollars for a sort of for a romantic uh, lunch or dinner so really especially for those couples that are going out there one of the experiences that you definitely want to try but do make sure yeah. that you uh, do save up and yeah actually i should actually say that um the atmosphere properties in terms of a more affordable one um the atmosphere properties do an all-inclusive a very very good all-inclusive that is fully comprehensive and includes dine around um and as part of your dine around plan you do get one meal i think if you're saying a, a minimum of uh, seven nights four to seven nights sorry and you get one meal inside an underwater restaurant included in your all-inclusive plan so actually um that could be an option so you've got the atmosphere ozone um, and then you've got uh, oblu select sangeli um which uh, which have underwater restaurants and you uh, you get you get a included in your plan for four to seven nights that's that's an amazing additional extra um definitely yeah. for those who who want to do that all inclusive but again you don't have to you can go to some many resorts or some of the resorts which offer you the underwater but you don't have to experience the all inclusive yes yeah um yeah i mean in terms of 
the different dining options at the resort there's so many um amazing options you have treehouse restaurants underwater restaurants overwater restaurants um but it, it really helps if you're on all inclusive i think um uh, or at least on half board forward and this is something we would advise to all clients is if possible before you get to the Maldives go on a higher meal plan so don't go on bed and breakfast because the Maldives is not like um somewhere like Sri Lanka or or, or a, a larger island like Mauritius where you can go to a local restaurant you're really going to be mostly spending your time on the resort island so it makes sense to have a, a meal plan a larger meal plan uh, booked in advance um you're actually going to save yourself money in the long run because the spend on resort can be quite high that's a great tip mm -hmm. thank you very much so before we came on here i was doing a bit of research into some weird and wonderful things that the Maldives can offer and i can see one of the resorts has a beach bubble what is a beach bubble yes. what is it? Um, yeah, so that's that's a, a resort called uh, Fenolu, and Fenolu is it's a sort of mid-range five star, um, so it's a sort of more affordable five star. Uh, it's got a one kilometer long sandbank, which is quite unique um, in the Maldives. So it's actually one of the larger islands you can stay at, and then this sandbank that stretches out one kilometers. At the end of this sandbank is a very nice restaurant called the Crab Shack, um, where you can have like baked uh, baked crab and a glass of rosé. And then beyond that, um, keep going, and you eventually get to a what is a bubble lodge, which is basically a see-through bubble which you can stay the night in, and it's it's FLE air conditioning, has uh, all the facilities that you need for an overnight stay, um, but very secluded because it's right at the end of the sandbag, so away from all the other guests. Um, and as a sort of added extra, you can stay maybe one or two nights there. Um, particularly nice if you're like having a romantic honeymoon and you, it's, it's great for stargazing. Um, because there's very little artificial uh, light in the Maldives, uh, stargazing is amazing. So you can see the Milky Way very, very clearly. Um, so it's really nice to spend a night in a bubble lodge, look up straight above you, look at all those stars. Um, and it's a nice sort of added extra, very sort of closer to nature experience um, and quirky. And obviously, if you're big into like social media and stuff, it's a cool thing to upload onto, uh, onto Instagram and stuff like that. So you mentioned the stargazing. I've also read that you can do it at, is it Suniva Fushi? Which is the one that I see yes. a lot of celebrities go to. Yes, yeah, Suniva Fushi. So um, I was very lucky actually to uh, visit Suniva Fushi um, a couple of times. And um, the last time I visited, we had dinner. Suniva Fushi, I'll just give you a background, is very um, rustic eco-friendly resort and they take the eco-friendliness very seriously so they they uh, um, recycle everything on on the resort so they have actually have a plastic recycling plant where they um it's a plastic free island but any plastic that washes up on the island they convert into building bricks and they use it for building houses so um they, and they do that all on resorts so they take that very very seriously um but just the general um design of the resort it has that kind of uh, rustic eco-friendly luxury vibe so barefoot luxury oh there's a cat um and um and it's yeah it's it's, it's so i i describe it as like a little bit robinson crusoe um uh, swiss family robinson style so they have a lot of tree houses rope bridges um and we had dinner in a treehouse restaurant uh, which is high up in the sort of canopy so it's got very mature coconut trees there and then we walked over the rope bridge and went to they have an observatory with a high powered telescope and uh, after dinner, we had a, took our cocktails. We just went to this um, high power telescope across a rope bridge, which is really fun anyway. And um, they've got an astronomer there who points out the different um, star constellations. Um, I'd seen, I saw things I'd never seen before, like the uh, storm clouds uh, on Jupiter, the, the rings on Saturn. Um, and then we got a really amazing close up view of the moon and all the craters on the moon. Um, this through this high power telescope so it, it was just awesome to have someone point out what we were looking at explain what we were seeing and then to see it so clearly um and somewhere like them all these was really magical i do know that uh, a few years ago suniva fushi actually had uh, buzz aldrin do a very special he stayed there and he did a very special um 
astronomy course for for the guests with that high powered telescope. So um, the, yeah, they've it's it's popular with celebrities. I think that the eco friendly side of it um is is very appealing. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a fantastic property. Please, may I request a site inspection to that one? Yes, yeah, of course, yeah, essential. <laughs> um, and I believe I'm not going to try and pronounce it. I'm going to leave that to you, Thomas. Um, the locals refer have a, a um, refer to romance. Um, we're talking about bringing down the stars. Their loved ones. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, like I was saying, because of the. Um, there's very little um, artificial light. Um, the, yeah, the, so the locals kind of refer to it as as um, bringing the stars down um, and gifting it to their to to their partners or to their lovers. So um, it's just again, it's it's that sort of sense of romantic um, uh, just uh, privacy and and the the privacy in, in the Maldives is, is another thing I think we can. Um, focus on because um, you know we we folks sell the Indian Ocean, we sell uh, Seychelles, Mauritius, Sri Lanka, and they also have amazing beaches, but they don't have that level of privacy that you get in the Maldives. Whereas um, in Mauritius, you might have one, two, three resorts sharing one beach, and that's a public beach. Um, the difference is in, Mald in the Maldives, it's um, one island. Uh, one resort um so you're only going to be sharing that with other guests and and staff um and nobody else so that's kind of um gives it a level of privacy or a level of romance that you probably just wouldn't get in many other places in the world so you, you almost have a private island whenever you go to to the Maldives. Yeah, essentially, yeah, you've you've got a private island just to yourself, and and even um, when an island is running at a hundred percent occupancy, um, you're very rarely going to see many other people there. Um, it's it's not very common, so you you're going to have most of it all to yourself, um, which is really really nice. And just touching on on that. Do you have any other many new resorts opening up with regards to on on some new islands or any changes going on on the island front? Um, yeah, I mean the Maldives has been extremely active um, uh, and is fast moving in terms of there's always new properties um, opening up um, and plans for new properties to to be built um so that number is is continuously growing and there's been a lot of new openings in the last few years um some of the sort of the luxury big ones you've had uh, the waldorf astoria that opened um uh, last year joali uh, opened fairly recently um so very luxurious resorts i mean and we're talking about probably the most luxurious resorts anywhere in the world um the, the these resorts are very much uh, the sort of the standard bearer for luxury for their uh, their particular brands. Um, so, the, yeah, it's it's the ultimate um, luxury destination. And during this kind of lockdown period, we found that we've had it's the Maldives has retained its appeal um, because it's seen as being a sort of luxurious but also safe destination to get away from the problems of the world. So a lot of clients, a lot of people are contacting us saying their business is being diverted to the Maldives and we're finding we're getting arrivals from October onwards uh, for this year. Um, October, December and March seem to be the key periods that we're hitting. Um, but yeah, sorry, back to your point about uh, new openings. Um, for the next big opening, I think, is going to be the Radisson Blue, um, which is going to be opening in the in the summer. Obviously, everything's a little bit delayed uh, at the Maldives because of the lockdown. So um, everything's kind of been put on hold. So the resorts themselves at the moment, are most of them are closed. A few are still operating, um, but most are closed. They're, they're going to be reopening uh, come July, um, ready to receive guests again. That's good. And again, it's good to see that hopefully from July, guests will be back in enjoying their own little private island, bit of private uh, private part of paradise. And one yeah, of my favourite um, properties is the Six Senses. And this is the, uh, down to there, the, the surf school. 
Um, yes. I know it's, it's got an amazing surf school and an abundance of being able to go quite close to some breaks um, from the resort, which is yeah. great. Uh, can you just give a bit more information about the surf people are looking to surf? Are there certain islands or certain resorts? I know you meant depending upon the time of year um, to get some surfing in. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you can't do surfing from all the resorts. Um, so you need to be guided by by your operator agent and, and they'll be guided by us on that. But there are some resorts that are really good for surfing. And I, I totally agree with you. Six Sense Islamu is, is one of my favorite properties as well. And it has an amazing surf school and it has two breaks. One one is a more sort of for beginners and, then, and the other one is more for experienced surfers. Um, and the surf season is runs from May to October. That's when you have uh, rougher seas. So it's better for, for, the, for the breaks. Um, and it's a great place to learn how to surf. Um, or it's, if you're an experienced surfer, a great place to, to do some, uh, some more challenging uh, breaks. Um, but yeah, so Six Sense Islami, you could do like a, a week's long course and learn how to surf. Um, and for those people who are worried that they'd be bored in the Maldives, you know, the idea of sitting on a beach and drinking a cocktail is, is not for them, then I would suggest maybe look at those uh, resorts that offer surfing. So Six Sense Islamu is one example. Uh, they have a great surf school. Um, Niyama is, is another. So it's a five star, it's spread over two islands, um, and they have a great surf school there as well. Um, both of those. Uh, are a little bit further to the south. Uh, if you want something that's more accessible and just accessible by a speedboat from Mali, then uh, you've got some properties fairly close by. Anantara Digu is is one example. They they offer very good surf, and that's actually got an affordable lead in five star. Um, and then someone like the Four Seasons Kudahura, they actually hold surf competitions. Um, so the Maldives is, is acknowledged as being a world-class surf destination now. Uh, and the nice thing is you're going to be surfing, but you're not going to be surfing with many other people around, probably nobody else around. So uh, you've got the whole place to yourself. Um, you don't have to worry about uh, falling over or making a fool of yourself because no one's going to be there to love you. Also, no great white sharks, which also helps. So you don't have to worry about getting eaten either. I had no idea you could surf in the Maldives. I never would have pictured it. Like whenever you see photos, the ocean just looks really calm, and you just—I just wouldn't picture surfing there. Yeah, well, it's it's part of the the the, the islands themselves are protected by the the coral hill that they sit on. So they're protected by a reef. But then, so what's within the reef is very calm and usually comes up to it. It's very shallow as well. It comes up to your waist. It's heated by the sun, so it's very warm. Um, the temp water temperature within those lagoons is you know like 27 28 celsius so it's like it's super nice for swimming and um bathing in but then once you get beyond the drop off beyond that reef where it's like a cliff edge it goes straight down um and that's where you do your snorkeling that's the that's the, the house reef and that's where you get to see most of the marine life and the coral um once you get beyond that um the sea temperature drops it's a bit cooler uh, and that's where you get some of your wave breaks um, so you get the surfing. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get uh, beyond the reefs, you get um, you get breaks, but within the coral reef, it's protected and very calm. I did not know that, but great insight into how diverse the islands are from what our uh, perception is predominantly from people's photos of relaxing in, in the Maldives on the beach. And in that, you also mentioned uh, Mali in uh, throughout from being the main islands the main population if someone's on one of the other atolls and wanted to go and do a tour of mali is that is that something that is you would recommend yeah. and is it possible it's yeah it's possible so um oh, it's easiest to do a mali city tour if you're staying in the mali atoll um if you're staying in a different atoll, then I probably recommend it, you know, on the day of your departure. Um, so, you know, if you've got a, especially if you've got a, a late departure, then you've got a bit of time to kill back at Mali Airport. So why not hop across to the city and see it uh, for a couple of hours? Um, so what has Mali City got to offer? Well, I, I mentioned it's got 130,000 people living on it. It's extremely, uh, one of the most densely populated cities in the world. So it's quite hectic. Um, it's it's a bit of a rush um 
there's people whizzing around on scooters it's very very lively but if you're interested in in learning a bit more about what the day-to-day life is like for the majority of Maldivians and and what their culture is like then it's a great place to start um so they have an amazing fish market fishing being sort of before tourism came along was the backbone of of the Maldives economy uh, and and very much their way of life um so the fish market is is a lively uh, place to visit and you can see um lots of sellers selling amazing looking fish um but it's also uh, the home of the Maldi- museum of the maldives uh, which tells you about traditional maldivian life and you can visit that um but also uh, the home of their their oldest mosque um so the maldives is uh, actually quite an old country um and it's it's been at the crossroads of various different cultures um, and traders uh, crossing over from Africa, from the Middle East, um, from parts of India and Sri Lanka. So it's it's got it's a, been a real melting pot of, of different cultures. Um, it was actually originally a, a Buddhist country and then converted to Islam in the 12th century by an African tra- traveler called Al-Babari, uh, who, could, who could recite, he, recite could, he was able to recite the entirety of the Quran. Um, and he met with the uh, Maldivian Sultan and he converted them to Islam. And then uh, the Maldives then subsequently converted to Islam. So um, it now is an Islamic country um so you can learn more about that and on mali they've got the the tomb of al-babari who was considered the first sort of islamic sultan and a very renovated tomb in a very beautiful uh, mosque on, on mali so there's there's stuff to learn about the maldivian history um about the culture on mali and it's a good place to start what i would say though is it's very very hectic it's very busy uh, once you've maybe had a short tour a couple of hours done a bit of shopping maybe had some lunch uh, you've probably have had enough um i think one or two hours is is perfect it's super interesting to see um but you don't want to spend too much time there so like you like you mentioned it's great if you have got a late flight out and yeah. you've got your boat transfer or, or um, seaplane transfer to the airport uh, you can arrange that earlier in the day go and do a tour get back to the airport ready for your flight exactly yes oh perfect so Thomas, as a Maldives pro, what are some of your top tips, like your insider top tips for someone that's visiting? Okay, yes, well, um, yeah, I mentioned uh, the local islands of like Mali. Um, you can also go see uh, less busy local islands. And so the close to resorts, there will be very pretty local islands and they're not at all like Mali so there's the Mali has loads of traffic and scooters local islands are usually pedestrianized or at least have very little traffic um so uh, definitely if you're going to the Maldives it's like lo- obviously it's lovely to stay on a resort island and um enjoy all the luxuries that you get but I think if you go to a destination it's great to see the real thing um see meet with locals learn a little bit about the culture and, and feel like so when you've come back uh, from somewhere like the Maldives, you feel even more enriched and like uh, you've learned something and you've seen a sort of traditional way of life. So um, the resorts will all all offer local island excursions, and I, I would encourage guests to uh, to take part and and to to go visit them. The islands are very extremely beautiful. Um, and the best thing about it is, apart from obviously meeting the Maldivian people who are extremely kind and um, very generous and um, very smiley, um, apart from that is eating local Maldivian food, which is um, absolutely delicious. So um, Masuni is um, a Maldivian breakfast. Um, I'm absolutely addicted to it. It's basically, it's tuna. Tuna is the thing to eat in the Maldives. Um, it's tuna, it's uh, coconut, it's lime juice and chili rolled up in a, in a sort of pancake. Uh, and you eat that in the mornings uh, for breakfast with like a sweet tea. And it's very, very delicious. And they also have things called short eats, um, which are like little balls with uh, tuna and chili and uh, different sort of... Um, flavor combinations coconut obviously is, is another main staple um and they're extremely addictive and you can get them from little uh, local coffee shops um on mali on local islands and, and actually the resorts themselves will will have a maldivian uh, dish or two on on their menu so definitely eat local if you can try the local cuisine it's it's really really nice um other tips i would say are seaplanes are great um 
because you get to uh, fly at a low altitude and they're amazing for taking photos. Um, so they're obviously very, very popular. Um, but don't be scared of taking domestic flights. Um, I've, in the past, I think seaplanes have always been the preferred option over a domestic flight um, because, because of the altitude and because of the photograph opportunities. But actually, uh, domestic flights by and large are more comfortable. They're air conditioned. They're larger. There's more legroom. Uh, they still fly at quite a nice altitude and they are more regular now so that you can still take pictures out the window. Um, but the schedules are more regular. Um, so you really don't be afraid of going further afield from Mali from the Mali Atoll. I mean, the Mali Atoll is great, uh, very accessible by speedboat, but the advantage to going further south or further north is you're going to be more isolated, more in touch with the old Maldives, the the, uh, the untouched Maldives. It's not been so affected by uh, tourism or or by the, the growth, its growing economy. So um, that's really interesting as well to get to those more isolated spots. Um, my other recommendation is, if possible, to go on a, yeah, like I said earlier, go on a higher meal plan. And if, if the resort offers all inclusive, then even better. I think that's really, really good. Um, I think uh, the all inclusive plan means you can just relax on resort and you're not going to be worrying about how, how big a bill you're going to be racking up at the end of it, because those glasses of wine can sometimes be very, very expensive. And especially at those luxury resorts, you could be paying $15, $20 for a glass of white wine, which, um, yeah, obviously, you, you, or you want to have a beer or something, which can be like $12. Um, and you're, you're in the Maldives, you're going to want to have a beer or a glass of wine or a fruit juice or whatever. Um, and you don't want to be worrying about oh god uh i spent a lot this week and now i'm gonna get this huge bill at the end so if you're on a full board all inclusive that takes that kind of concern away um and then as another little tip if you're really keen on reefs and coral um the best the very best place in the maldives is the south for coral that's been the least affected uh, by bleaching uh, and particularly like the Garfu Atoll, where you've got places like um, Park Hyatt, um, uh, Ayada, um, the residents, uh, those, those kind of atolls down in the south, uh, Outrigger, they've got amazing coral reefs. And their domestic flights further to get to, but it's worth it for just to see those, those reefs because they're really, really, uh, really um, pristine. That's amazing. Some some <laughs> great little tips there. Um, and just just on that, I know you obviously you mentioned the all inclusive. Some for some great ideas to go to the south assholes for those looking to really get out and explore uh, the reefs. How long would you say is the the ultimate time to go out? And um, do you have any recommendations for? Uh, I'll, I'll split it up to this as a few different ones. So for families. Um, for someone on a romantic getaway and someone looking to enjoy activities? Um, yeah, so I would say um, I, our average amount of time uh, people spend is seven nights. Um, and I, I think six or seven nights is about right for the Maldives to, to start with. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a long haul destination from the UK. Um, so I think less than six nights, it's, it's, it's a quite a long distance to go for for any less time. That I think once you've done six or seven nights, you've had enough time to kind of get over the jet lag, de-stress, uh, go to the spa, have a few spa treatments, get into that kind of island way of life. And you need a, maybe a day or day or two to kind of really get into the, the slow pace of life in the Maldives and relax. Um, and so whether you're a, you're a honeymooner or a family, I think I think that's about right. And then obviously, if you've got the luxury of spending two weeks, then even better. And you could even do a twin center stay. So if you want to do combine two islands, you could do maybe six or seven nights at one and six or seven at the other. Or do a seven tour, seven night tour of Sri Lanka and then seven nights in the Maldives relaxation. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're looking for the right resort for you my my advice would be if you're a honeymooner um there are certain properties in the Maldives that are adult only or very much adult focused um so you're not going to see any children or at least not many children there um so places like uh, there's a very good five-star all-inclusive called the Hurawali, which is an adult only island so no children allowed um, so that's quite popular with with honeymooners. Um, somewhere like the Barros, which is uh, closer to to Mali, that's also adult only. Um, 
Um, and then, the, yeah, just in general, those smaller, more boutique properties are better for, for honeymooners, not so good for families. Um, so the resorts that are good for families tend to be larger. They have more facilities. They have interconnecting rooms or larger room types. So uh, very good family friendly resorts. Um, you've got places like, uh, yeah, like the atmosphere that's very good family friendly. Uh, Anatara, uh, they've got great facilities, kids clubs, teen clubs. Um, somewhere on the top end of the scale, somewhere like uh, one in Inuriti Ra, which has an amazing kids club. Or again, Suniba Fushi, their, their kids club in, is insane. It's uh, mostly the parents spend more time in the kids club than the kids do because they've got pirate ships and water cannons and uh, like pianos that you can walk on and, and make tunes on. So it's, uh, it's really, really good fun. Oh, amazing and um so those who want to be like tom hanks and um, play the the piano with your yeah. feet it's a place to go exactly like big exactly yeah, like big. and yeah. and for those looking to do um some more water sports or activities is there any specific um resorts you'd recommend um well yeah again i'd um i'd look at those resorts that have uh, the surf facilities from like may to october so again you could look at like niyama six senses and Antara. um and then those resorts that have maybe a bigger lagoon and not so much of a house reef so um it, the more affordable section you've got uh Kuridu, which is a great it's a sort of top selling four-star all-inclusive uh Kuridu, it has a bit of a house reef on one side um so it's got that because it's such a big island it's also got a nice area for doing water sports so you can do your, your jet skis um your, your your paddle boards your stand up paddle boarding which is pretty fashionable these days um uh your kayaks and canoes and all that stuff um that's quite good olivelli is a good affordable option as well close to mali that's got some jet skis as well uh sea bobs uh, i don't know if you've ever seen a sea bob but uh, it's a bit like a sort of james bond type uh, contraption where you can it propels you under the water and up over the water um so it's, re it's really really cool so you can kind of like uh it it, it will take you down underwater but it won't take you so far that you can't get back up again it will just cut out if you go too far deep so you just take a deep breath and you kind of press down on the accelerator and if, you, if you've got like some um uh, uh not, not flippers um fins uh it'll take you down and you can kind of go up and down through the water uh, a bit like james bond it's pretty cool it's really good fun Good to mess around on. I have definitely tried on those sea bobs before, not in the Maldives, and they are not as easy as they sound. I found it very. <laughs> yeah. I could not do it. <laughs> okay, okay. I, well, I might have been drunk when I was doing it. Maybe I just thought I was better than I was. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe Laura was just that bad. Probably. <laughs> um, but again, uh, yeah, what we can do is we're going to sort of bring the episode. Um, to an end shortly and just to touch on obviously Thomas you mentioned that the average duration is six seven nights but you could do uh, a, t a twin center within the destination or also looking at Sri Lanka for seven nights and then the um, Maldives for seven nights and with so many great flight options whether it be via Italy if you wanted to be really um, adventurous and do an Italy and Maldives twin centre but you could also do I know a lot of people will look at going to Dubai, Abu Dhabi having a, a little break there and then going down to the Maldives or the other way around go out enjoy the Maldives and on the way home to break up the flight back especially if you're coming from the UK um, you can have a little stopover in Abu Dhabi or Dubai or one of the connecting so uh, yeah it's definitely a great destination for all as you mentioned it's got something for everyone it's got families water sport lovers uh, romance and for those who just want to get away and enjoy nature and some peace and quiet on their own little uh, private beach-esque a resort so yes I've learned a lot I've learned a lot I didn't realize how diverse and it was especially with the surf I, I knew there were cer certain parts of surfing and obviously the scuba diving and the snorkeling but didn't realize how much activity there is to do uh, away from sitting on the beach and especially for yes. families yeah definitely i mean it's funny because i'm not 
I, I'm extremely pasty and white, so I'm not an ideal person. To, I don't tan at all. I'm not a beach sitting person. I just burn to a crisp. So it's quite ironic that I would work in, uh, it, it specialise in the Indian Ocean, where uh, it's mostly <laughs> like beach days. But so for me, uh, when I'm in the Maldives, I like to be active and uh, I like to do the water sports. I like to go on excursions. I like to do the kind of historical stuff. And uh, um, I'm that guy. Um, so. And I think it's, I still think it's a great destination. It suits, it definitely suits me, but it's, you know, if your partner is all about the beach and sunbathing, then that's cool. There's, there's something for everyone, I think. No, I certainly come, come across that way on this episode. And I just want to thank you again for joining Lauren and I today. So thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Lauren. Thank you. And um, for everyone that's enjoyed the episode today, uh, please do go to thechildpodcast.com and there'll be links uh, to a lot of what we've talked about. Also have the episode or if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform, please do give us a five star rating and leave a review and do make sure you share. And if this is your first time listening to us, please go back and listen to other episodes and subscribe. And thank you all for listening to this episode and look forward to having you on future episodes. The Travel Podcast is sponsored by Not Just Travel. Where it's not just travel, it's a way of life. We hope you liked this podcast. And if you did, please tell your friends. But also take a moment to rate us on iTunes as it helps spread the word. Thanks for listening.